Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast. This is episode number 428. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Uh, going pretty well. How was your holiday? How was your Thanksgiving? Stressful. Yeah, so you had texted me and said that you lost power. What, like, what happened? Was it like a Transformers thing or like what? This weird it? thing in this area that anytime we lose power, it's because someone just slammed into a pole, you know, that had, mm. a, and it happens quite often. And it's weird because it's one road. If someone, if we lose power, like, oh, there was a wreck on such and such road. And then you'll look it up. Sure enough. And I don't know how people keep wrecking on this road. First, that's the number one. Number two, I don't understand how every time they wreck, they slam into a transponder pole. Like, it's like a wide open area. It's fields. Like, how do you not just run into the ditch? So you lost power and you were like in the middle of cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, it was trying to figure it out. We made it work, but man, it was... So you have a regular oven and a convection oven? Yeah, I have, well, it's like a convection slash air fryer slash toaster oven. Ah, so it's like a standalone thing? Yeah, so I, I had my oven die first, and I was able to carve up a half-done turkey, get it in the convection oven. It got done in the convection oven, and I also had some of it on the stovetop because I was able to get the burners lit. And then we lost the power, but I was able to have two burners because I already lit them. Mm. And then I just had to shuffle stuff because I couldn't lose those burners. Right. Gotta get those, gotta keep them alive. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. And it came back on like, what, two hours later or something like that? Yeah, like like two or three hours later. Jeez. It's like the entire, the entire township was out of power. Ugh. This week on the show, we'll be talking about another Thanksgiving situation with the humans which is available now on showtime also be going over some we're watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters vod and blu-ray thank you so much for joining us this week please remember to review us on itunes if you get a moment that would be very helpful uh the new say by the 90s is done oh i just have to edit it uh, i've had a crazy couple of weeks i was in new york last week this week i had family in town so it's just been really really hectic that's why uh, the the last episode of this show came out a week late, so if you noticed <laughs> that we were like talking about movies that were already out and and stuff <laughs> at the end, that's why dropped it a week late. I apologize for that, but hopefully I'll be able to get the Say by the Nineties out very soon. Uh, we talk about Disney movies this month, so check that out. With that, I think we can jump into the humans. This is written and directed by Stephen Karam. This is based on a, a play, a to- Tony Award-winning play that was created by him. I have a synopsis here. Set inside a pre-war duplex in downtown Manhattan, Humans follows the course of an evening which the Blake family gathers to celebrate Thanksgiving. As darkness falls outside the crumbling building, mysterious things start to go bump in the night and, the fa- and family tensions reach a boiling point. Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of The Humans? I didn't know anything about this movie outside of looking it up and I saw that it was Thanksgiving. So I was like, yeah, well, I guess we have to do this. 
seems seems apt. Uh, so I was a little bit confused in the beginning, and but I mean about halfway through it, because it seemed to have these. I don't. I, they weren't full on horror elements, but it was kind of like this mysterious, you know, like the the bangs and stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And I, like I couldn't quite pinpoint what the hell this was supposed to be outside of you know it's a family drama where you can tell that cracks are starting to show and of course you tie that in with the building that's your metaphor there yeah so I was I was a little uh, trepidatious in thinking I was like this feels uh, very familiar I feel like I've seen a number of family dramas you know where there's there's just this underlying uh bit of just like the resentment and things that like things in the past that it seems like they're over but not quite like they're still holding on to it a little bit and of course you know they they get towards the end there and it comes to light which i thought was very underwhelming just the entire thing was just it's fine it's just very underwhelming uh it feels very much like a play yeah, big time. I mean, there is... I will give them credit that some of the visuals, they, they did try to make this a little bit more cinematic than, you know, other uh, film adaptation of plays I've seen. But it just really didn't work for me. It's just... It's fine. I liked it on several levels. I mostly agree with you in that there's nothing outstanding with this movie there's nothing extremely notable with this movie uh aside from i think the performances across the board were were very good um specifically the mom played by jane uh how howdy show i'm not sure how to pronounce her last name apologies she was apparently in the play she played Mm -hmm. the mom in the play but i thought she was tremendous in it Everybody else, I thought, did a good job, too. You have a really good cast here with, uh, like, June Squibb, Richard Jenkins, Beanie Feldstein, Amy Schumer, Stephen Young. Like, great cast across the board. And I thought that the the family dynamic felt very real. Like, I think that they all did a good job of making it feel like a, like a real family where they had the sort of banter, the back and forth, the jabs at each other, the you know, passive aggressiveness, but also the kind of tenderness that you have with family members. So I was, I thought that all of that was, was quite good too. I liked a lot of the conversations. I liked the fact that there were multiple times where you couldn't even tell what anybody was saying, where it was just like kind of noise that was happening because everybody was talking amongst themselves at the same time. I I liked how that was presented and I liked, I did like the camera work. I liked all of the like super close up, uh, super close ups of like just the awful <laughs> stuff in this New York apartment, you know, like the, the leaks and drips and like paint uh, bubbling up and just all of the nasty stuff that was in this apartment. I liked all that. And I liked the unsettling vibe like the unsettling tone of this you wouldn't expect it but there are a lot a a decent number of jump scares in this movie 
which I was not quite prepared for, but is also hilarious to watch my dad in a movie like this where every time there's a jump scare, he just like loses his mind. So I liked, I liked that aspect of it as well. Uh, as far as the, the, the narrative itself, I agree with you in that it was mostly underwhelming, but at the same time, I, I, I appreciate the, the bevy of topics that are explored in this in this movie and it feels like a a very sort of natural like family style drama um you know these are topics that a lot of families discuss and and grapple with and i thought that this movie handled those topics very well so overall i liked it didn't love it but yeah that's kind of where yeah, i'm at I- with it I think I'm I'm more in the camp of it was fine. Uh, I don't it's, for me it's not memorable in any way. Like I, I'm not going to remember this thing. Uh, and I think it, the thing that really really helped it and did a lot of the heavy lifting is the cast, mm. which you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, if you don't have this cast, this thing just does not work for me at all. No, because you know, just to reiterate, it is a play and. The majority of the movie takes place in this apartment. The whole movie takes place in the building, the apartment building. And yeah, without without the the dynamic of this cast, you you have nothing. Like you just have nothing. I mean, the writing is fine, but you really need a good cast to to support the script. And because because you know the movie is just it's just dialogue. It's just a family having conversations. Yeah. And I think that that's what at least held my interest throughout its runtime. Yeah. I I could see this not working for a lot of people just on a base, like entertainment level, because, you know, it is one location. It is mostly conversational and the conversations are not particularly engrossing. They're mostly just normal conversations that regular families have. And I think that that's sort of by design. It's not meant to be this like crazy outlandish, you know, wild cinematic experience. It's supposed to be a realistic sort of down to earth family story. But I think that a lot of people, when they sit down to watch a movie, they're not looking for that. They're looking to be kind of enthralled in a different experience, you know? Yeah. I think also the, the, I guess the jump scares stuff, which I never really thought of them that way, but I have seen a handful of people describe it as such. I just did that. None of that made sense to me. I didn't, (laughs) I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand the intent there. And just like, it just didn't work for me. And any, you know, any shape, way, or form. I took it as... bizarre. Yeah, I kind of took it as, like, a reflection of the mounting tension between the members of the family and the stress that they were all under. When you you look at each of the characters individually, they're dealing with their own... They're all dealing with pretty serious issues, and it... The jump scares just sort of to me accentuated the fact that everybody was just kind of on edge and 
Yeah. Not, everyone's so tightly wound. Yeah. Like nobody's actually comfortable in this situation for their own, for their own reasons too. Like you have, you know, financial reasons, relationship reasons, things like that. And, and so nobody's like actually happy in this, like they're all putting on the facade of course, and they're trying, but they're not. And I think that that's where kind of the, the quote unquote horror elements come in, come in here where it just, makes you uneasy the whole time yeah and i think i could see this as being like a really captivating play to see yeah especially you know given all the conversations that are being had and just you know going into different rooms and such and just like the staging of this i think would be uh i think would add like a a level of exhilaration to it that you don't get yeah, I, I was thinking about that, and I'm, I don't know, like, I didn't see the play, I don't know, like, how the play was structured or anything, but I'm imagining if they had this set built where it's multiple levels, and it's like a cross-section of the apartment, that that would be really, that would be very enthralling, because you would have multiple characters on different levels, doing their own things, having different conversations, and I think that that would that would make for a much more engrossing experience, especially because like at the end of this movie, they do that cross section and and it's awesome. Like it's, I think it's the best looking shot in the whole movie. I think it's really cool how they do that. And I'm just imagining if the play is like that the whole, the whole way through it, that it would be kind of, yeah. And that's, and that's the, of course that's the, the thing that, hints towards that for me is like some sort of evidence of like okay given that last shot i can see that maybe it was staged this way and i think that that would be really interesting to see but in the sense of it as a uh, you know a cinematic endeavor it just didn't really work for me in that way no no it 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 didn't. I think that it would have been. Yeah, it would have been because usually, pretty much, you just have static cameras, s- static camera shots in this. So the camera is like positioned in the back of, you know, the second floor and the back of the first floor. So you don't have a lot of like camera movements or anything like that. Pretty much is it's all pretty much just static. And then you have the this like sort of B roll intercut with it where you you're doing the close-ups of different elements of the apartment and i thought that it it worked on on a new york apartment level <laughs> like being someone who experienced the the joys and frustrations of new york apartment hunting and and just accepting what you have with new york apartments i think that it does a good job of sort of showcasing what you have to deal with and the compromises you have to make in New York when, when finding an apartment, but also like that apartment was massive. I can't like, even though it was so like shitty and dingy and gross, I can't even imagine how much they're paying for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only horror element that. Yeah. They were probably paying like four grand a month for that apartment. It's just that absolute nightmare. <laughs> I can't even imagine like trying to find an apartment in New York. City. Like I, I can't because I'm never going to do it. There's no way I'm ever 
going to put myself in that situation. It truly is a nightmare. I can imagine. It truly is a nightmare. Because you have, like, you know, fake listings, too. Like, so you'll have, like, fake Craigslist listings. And then you have to, like, deal with brokers and broker fees. So the goal is to always find an apartment that doesn't have any kind of broker fees. So that's like a whole other element that, you're, that you have to deal with. It's just, it's such a nightmare. It's, it's really the worst. Yeah. No. Anywho. Uh, I, so yeah, overall, thought it was fine. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. No. It's good. Right there with you. Right there with you. Yeah. It's, it's good acting. Good, good acting, acting, good acting. I like. I, I did like the the cinematography for the most part as well. So yeah, All especially right. that last scene. That last oh, scene. Yeah. Was, I like that. Yeah, definitely. That made that made me sit up in my seat a little bit. But of course, that you know that's the last you know <laughs> half minute. And then you sunk back down in. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, All right, got <laughs> interesting there for a split second. All right, uh, let's go ahead and give this a score. Kevin, what are you gonna give the humans out of ten? I give it a five. All right. Straight down the middle for you. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm sitting a bit higher on this. I'm at like a six and a half, seven. I was really hoping that it turned out that they weren't humans. You know, it, it's funny because like, <laughs> I don't know if it's just like a title like that. You just kind of naturally think yeah. that they're not. But yeah, because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be like some kind of crazy... That would be fucking awesome. Body snatchers angle or something. Even, he, I think even there was a, like a comment towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, maybe this is going to work out the, the stupid way that I was hoping. <laughs> uh, Which, unfortunately, probably, not. you know, probably a good idea on Stephen Karam's part to not go that route. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that he actually. It would be funny if he actually, like, the original script had them, like, being aliens or something, and then he decided to change it, scrap that. Every single person he showed it to, they're just like, that's the, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read. It's just like, okay, let me pick my, my true dream to the side. I'll just do a standard family drama. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be funny. All right, uh, again, that's on Showtime now, so if you want to check it out and you have Showtime... Have at it against the humans. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I uh, saw a few few notable things. All right, hit me. Uh, Go- Ghostbusters Afterlife is probably the the big one. Okay. So it's directed by Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. Now, I like Jason Reitman's movies for the most part. And I liked this movie for the most part as well. Didn't love it, but it was a sort of very, it was very sentimental. It was very nostalgic. It was funny. Uh, It was mostly funny. I would say I did. I did enjoy it overall more than the, the, the 2016 one. I think it was 2016. The last one. I did enjoy it more than that one. I didn't think it was quite as funny, but I just had a really good time just revisiting this this franchise. And I think that while I didn't love this, I think that it sets itself up 
for the possibility of sequels that could be really good. Like the way that it's the way that it concludes, I'm not going to give anything away, but it sort of leaves the door open for possible sequels. And I mean, it's not a cliffhanger or anything like that, but it's, I think it could be the, where they go with this could be really, really cool. So that has me excited. The movie itself, I think, I mean, it looks fine. The special effects are fine. You know, uh, I don't have much else to say about it. I th- I found it was entertaining. I think that it was worth going to the theater to see this. I saw this in New York. And uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'd say, I'd say check it out. It's, it's worth a look. Yeah. I think All you'll right. li- I think you'll like it. Check it out at some point. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to see it in the theater, but uh so I I don't I've never seen The Princess Bride. What? From 1987. Now, this is one of those movies though that I guess it, like it's so a part of the the cultural zeitgeist that I feel like I've seen it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen enough clips, I've seen it referenced enough times, enough people have talked about it over the years. But this is a movie both me and my wife have not seen. And we know that it's, you know, from 1987, like, if you were born around that, growing up around that time, everyone fucking talked about this goddamn movie. It's a classic. So we were finally like, okay, everyone's been talking about this for the last, you know, 30-some years. Let's watch it. Let's finally sit down and watch this thing. Uh, I don't understand this. I don't get it. Is this a comedy? Because it's not funny in any way, shape, or form. I did not like this movie at all. I thought it was just bad. Wow. Okay. To be honest, I don't like this. The only thing that I've learned that was interesting to me, because again, I've seen tons of clips of this movie. Uh, I did not know that that is Mandy Patankin. Yeah. I, didn't, I had no idea that that's him all this time. <laughs> I just thought it was some dude that like never really starred in anything else. So that was kind of surprising. And I didn't realize that the actual Princess Bride is Robin Wright. I never knew that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just I, I don't know if it mostly comes down to Carrie Yules. I like I don't like him at all. Like he just to me, he has no charisma. He has nothing. And that's how I felt with his character. I just did not like him. It's a black hole. Mm. And then wow. Billy Crystal's annoying as hell, which that shouldn't be a surprise, really. Wallace Shawn, I guess it's supposed to be funny that he says inconceivable numerous times. I don't know. I don't just, know, man. Yeah. Seems like you're I'm way just, too cynical about this movie. Well, it sucked. I'm sorry. It's Ooh. a shitty movie. I don't like it. It's dumb as hell. It, it Like, what is the consensus here? Does it, it, like, what is... What is the what are we looking at on Letterboxd with this movie? Everyone loves it. <laughs> uh, it's got an average of 4.1. And then even looking through like majority of the the reviews that I've seen like the major like as low as it goes is like 3 stars, which I would give this like one and a half stars maybe oh at most. Oh my god, dude. Oh my god. Haters are going to come out of the woodwork for this. I just, like, I feel like you had, that there's, like, 
I'm missing that nostalgia factor. I don't, you know, see, I the don't rose think, tinted glasses. I really don't think so. I like because there's a lot of younger people now that experience this movie and still love it. Like, I don't think it's just like you know. I don't think that I. I'm sure that nostalgia does play into it. However, I think that there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, I think the movie's great, personally. It's not one of my favorites. I'm not, like, losing my shit over it, but I do think that it is a classic, and every time that it is on, it just kind of, kind of uh, just hooks me. I think it's a great movie. It's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, too, so critics are liking it. Well, I don't this know. guy I, 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 does Yeah, I, I really... I can't, I can't understand how you could not like this movie, but <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, well, we, we both, we'll just, and the funny thing is we both hated it. We were both like, what did we, is there like, is there a different cut? Did I watch the wrong, is there a director's cut? Rob Reiner, he got done dirty. I, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's insane to me, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's not like one of those things where I'm I'm upset that you didn't like it. There's some movies that you that if you were to say I hated it, it was a shitty movie, that I would be offended. Like I would be personally upset that you said that about a movie that I that I cherish. Princess Bride's not one of those movies. Now, if you said like Stand, Stand by Me was a piece of shit, then then I would probably just have to end the podcast i mean i haven't seen stand by me in a long time but i remember really liking that movie so i don't think i think that's one that would hold up i don't think i would watch that and be like oh this is actually shit all right uh so that's or or at least i wouldn't tell you uh, yeah 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 Yeah. you gotta preserve that friendship just be like i'll keep this a secret from adam yeah yeah of course all right uh so that's uh princess bride kevin hated it so no uh, just remember, there's two of us on this show, so just please, please reserve the uh, all the, the, the negativity. <laughs> uh, all right, I saw Snake Eyes, GI Joe Origins. I watched this on a plane. Uh, it sucked. It's directed by Robert Schwenke, and of course, this is the guy who did Red and R.I.P.D. and Allegiant and Insurgent. He did Flight Plan, which I hated. So anyway, he did The Captain too, which I think is a little bit of a departure from what he normally <laughs> his normal uh, thing. He does all these like a generic, you know, popcorn movies, and then he does The Captain. Yeah, which I liked a lot, by the way. So. Anyway, this movie is super generic. It's pretty much exactly what you would expect. Lots of glossy action that hides mediocre choreography with shaky cam. Lots of CG. Uh, It's, yeah, it's exactly what you would expect going into it. Uh, I will say that some of the action scenes are decent, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Henry Golding as Snake Eyes. I feel like maybe they should have got somebody else to to do to be in that role because I, I just don't see him as an action star. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. also say this. So remember we when we talked about this movie when it first came out, and we were like, "How is this going to work? Snake Eyes doesn't talk." Well, 
you know, we and then we predicted that at the end it would be we would see like what happens where he doesn't, you know, where he stops talking. Like if it's an injury or whatever it is that makes him go silent, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like oh. he doesn't even he doesn't get the helmet, like the iconic Snake Eyes helmet, until the very end of the movie, and even then it's like he's just that they don't they don't do that, but. At any rate, uh, there's a couple other G.I. Joe characters in here. You got Storm Shadow, played by Andrew Koji, and he was fine. Uh, Samara Weaving plays Scarlet, which I think was good casting, but also she was, like, completely underutilized and, like, wasted. Like, there was just no reason for her to be in here. Uh, Iko Uwais is in here as well. Again, like, he gets a couple cool action scenes, but his talents, I believe, are wasted as well. Uh, uh, somebody, uh, who's, Baroness is in this too, and I, I'm trying to figure out who, play, I can't remember who plays her. Oh, Ursula Corbero. Mm, the, yes, yes, yes. And she's fine as well, but the movie overall is just pretty, pretty poor. So, mm. as expected. No one to blame but yourself on that one. You know, it was like I, I so you're on a plane. I was on a plane. It was a relatively short f- flight. I didn't have anything else to watch, and it was available on the like in-flight thing. So I just put it on. Slapping on the old snake eyes. Yeah, man, how far we've come. <laughs> Fly to a destination, watch the snake eyes, GI Joe origins. Hell yeah. Uh, incredible. I I saw uh, Mind Game from 2004. It's directed by Mizaki Yusa. This is on Criterion Channel. This is an animated movie uh, by the guy that did uh, Night is Short. Uh, what is that movie called? Night is Short, Walk On Girl, which I think is like his most popular movie. So I've been wanting to see this guy's work for a while. And... They have uh, a good selection of animation on Criterion. So I was able to catch this one, and oh my goodness, it's so good. I love this kind of stuff. You have this guy doing tons of different animation styles throughout the movies. Uh, It's about like an hour and 47 minutes long, I think. So a little bit of everything. A lot of creativity, a lot of different stuff going on. Uh, The... The bookends of this movie are just absolutely phenomenal. It's just kind of like this montage, really no dialogue, just all these characters, all these various different characters, just little clips of stuff happening, and you're not really quite sure what's going on, but it's kind of giving you like little elements of the main narrative, like kind of like uh, context and like background information, that type of stuff, so that when you see bits of it later in like the main narrative it it kind of makes a little bit more sense like you kind of remember things from that opening montage uh and then of course they do kind of the same thing at the end which kind of gives more context to everything that you just saw and it's just it's a wild ride uh most of the time is so the basic premise of this is there's nishi he's kind of a loser he has a crush on this girl ever since like they were kids. Gets uh, wrapped up with the, the Yakuza. He ends up dying, but he tricks God and goes back 
gets another shot and then decides to be like, I'm just doing whatever I do, you know, taking life by the balls, that type of thing. And it gets them, uh, they get all stuck inside of a whale hmm. for a long time. <laughs> just living inside of a whale for a decent amount of the runtime. And uh, it's something else. It is, I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. What's the name? Love the of, what was the name of that it. again? Mind game. Mind game. Yeah. And what I, year? Love what it. year was that? Two thousand and four. Oh, okay. Cool. You will love this. I have to add that to my list. All right. I saw last night in Soho. This is the Edgar Wright one. Ah. Uh, so I did not like this movie. Oh boy. <sighs> I don't. Does it yeah. hurt to say it? Hmm? Does it hurt to say it? It does, because I was pretty excited for it. I like the idea of Edgar Wright doing a horror movie, and it, this is it, it is sort of a horror movie, but at the same time, it's more of like kind of a psychological thriller. I've seen people say that this is basically a remake of um, Repulsion, which uh, I could definitely see shades of Repulsion in here uh definitely like it, it, it is actually pretty similar when you think about it what you have here is a a young woman who gets into this fashion school and she she, she moves to london and she is she's she has problems with the student housing she doesn't like the people like her classmates they're mean and stuff so she ends up getting this up uh, this apartment that's uh that that's being hosted by this this older lady and she discovers that when she goes to bed at night that she's able to transport herself into the 1960s in London and sort of follow this young woman who is trying to be like a singer performer dancer person in London and at first it's like great like she's drawing inspiration for her her clothing designs from this this person uh who is played by Anna Anya Taylor-Joy the main character is played by Thomas and McKenzie but things uh, begin to fracture and like just, you know, it's like one of these things where it's like, you don't know if she's crazy or not and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith is in this too. I think, I think one of the reasons that I found this to be very grating is because a, I hate movies that involve people who are mentally ill and you you don't know if what's happening is real or not. Nobody believes them and blah, blah, blah. I, I just, I don't know. I'm so sick of those types of movies. Didn't never liked them <clears> to begin <throat> with. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie. I do not like her voice. Her voice just drives me insane. I can't deal with it. And I know that sounds like super shallow and stuff, but like, I just, I don't know. I, whatever, for whatever reason, her voice really bothers me and I don't like Matt Smith either. So, I feel like this movie just had a lot stacked against it for me. Uh, there is some really cool camera work in here. I liked, so they do, they do this really cool stuff with like reflections where there's like lots of mirrors and, and like shattered reflections and disjointed reflections and stuff like that. And lots of like 
really cool perspective things that they're doing. So all that was really cool. Uh, lots of really cool lighting in this. Very vibrant lighting. Uh, the production design and costuming was really top notch as well. And I liked the music. So it wasn't all bad, but overall I just didn't really enjoy myself. So mm-hmm. I can't really recommend Last Night in Soho. That's all I got outside of two rewatches, which is the, uh, you know, the traditional prisoners rewatch on oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. You're, yep. Got to get that prisoners in. And then I rewatched uh, the Truman Show last night. My wife has never seen that. Hmm. And uh, Truman Show still holds up. Enjoy it. It's a good movie. Yeah, I caught part of it a couple years ago on TV and, and I, f- I felt the same. I was like, oh, okay, this this. Yeah, this does seem to hold up. It's it's such a good idea, such a great idea for a movie, and they, they, just the execution of it. Yeah, you know what I've been meaning to to rewatch is Pleasantville. I'm I'm really curious if Pleasantville if still manages up. to hold up. Is that Mer- is that? Uh... It's one with Tobey Maguire. It's like the and I think it's Reese Witherspoon. And it's like the black and white where they get sucked yeah, into a TV show, yeah. like the. Yeah. Leave it to Beaver type, like a 50s was, TV show. The problem is, is now anytime anyone mentions that or I see it, all I can think of is the Kentucker Audley. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw Belfast. This is the Kenneth Branagh one. Not sure if this is out yet or not or what. I, I don't think it's under embargo or anything because I see a bunch of reviews on Letterboxd for it. So, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say what I thought about it. Uh, it's average. Felt like um, I felt like like a like Roma crossed with Angela's Ashes to me, but but yeah, not as good as either of those two. Interesting. Yeah, feels very autobiographical. I don't really know the whole backstory behind this, but I believe that it's based on Kenneth Branagh's life. And uh, yeah, it's just it's, it takes place in I think 1969 in Belfast, Ireland, and it's just about a kid growing up during the civil war that was taking place there, and just his relationship with his parents, and like the fact that his dad had to go to London for work, like for two weeks at a time, and. Like the dad who's played by Jamie Dornan, he's trying to get his family out of Belfast because like he sees the 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 violence increasing and stuff and like the the turmoil and all of that is getting closer and closer to their their home and it's just not a, a safe place to be raising a family, so he's trying to get his family out of there, but the wife who is played by uh Katrina Baff who she's from that show Outlander that mm. my uh, my wife watches that show. I, I've never, it doesn't look like my thing, but Judy Dench is in this also. She's, she's great. And um, Karen Hines is in it as well. And he's really good too. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, it was average to me. Like I just didn't find it to be particularly enthralling or anything like it looks fine it's black and white but what they do is anytime there is like a film or a play or just something that has like artistic merit in it 
uh, it's in color. So like every time the kid goes to them, and obviously that's you know a nod to like Kenneth Branagh's love for cinema and stuff. So like every time they go to the movies, the movie itself is in color, but everything else in the mm-hmm. movie is black and white, and that's yeah. you know fine. But yeah, I would say it's uh, average. Uh, and then the last one that I'll mention is <laughs> Venom. Let there be carnage. This was oh, an interesting yeah. double bill. So we, we watched Belfast and then followed it up with Venom. And the funny thing is I found myself enjoying Venom more than Belfast. Oh yeah. So this is directed by Andy circus. Uh, I did not like the first Venom. This one I thought was way better because they just lean into the ridiculousness of it. This one is way goofier than than the than the first one and they just they they just have fun with it. Like it seems like all of the actors are just goofing around and having fun and the 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 dialogue, the script seems to not take itself too seriously at all. At the end of the day, it's still a pretty average superhero movie but i do kind of like where they're going with this with this series we have woody harrelson in here as carnage which i kind of like him as as carnage tom hardy comes back as as venom and michelle williams comes back as the sort of love interest who literally has no purpose in these movies at all that was one of my criticisms with the first one was that she had nothing to do. She has even less to do in this one, pretty much. She just plays a damsel in distress, which is really disappointing. But it's still there's still some some pretty funny things in this, and I don't know. I I had a good time with it. It's not a good yeah. movie, to be clear, but there there is some uh, some fun to be had. So that's <laughs> Venom. Let there be carnage. Nice. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Encanto. That's the Disney animated movie. We got House of Gucci. Mm-hmm. Uh, any interest in either of those? Nope. Nope. All right. We got Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. This looks really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was like hopeful. I was hopeful that a, a Resident Evil reboot was going to revitalize the series like we're gonna start fresh it's gonna be like a like a straight up horror movie but nope looks like it's just as bad as the other ones it's pretty much it for theaters oh boy vod this week let's see on the 28th we have uh i don't see anything on the 28th on the 30th we have blonde purple we have the unkind we have Wired Shut. It's a thriller about a woman who has like surgery or something and has her jaw wired shut. And then something, like there's a home invader or something involved. Oh, no. On the third, wait, is the third Friday? Yeah. On the third, we have Betrayed. We got Silent Night. That's going to be on AMC+. Plus. We have Twas the Night. We got Castle Falls. Death of a Telemarketer, Red Pill. Ooh, that sounds like a great one. We got oh, Red boy. Stone. So we got Red Pill and we got Red Stone. Don't get them mixed how up. About, how about that? Yeah. 
We got funny thing about love. We have the second. And it looks like that's about it. Uh, what about... We got... I feel like there's some Netflix stuff. Yeah, we got Power of the Dog on ah, December 1st. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. They sent me a uh, sent me some stuff. They sent me the book Ooh. for that, and they sent me a, a paper flower. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. They did not send was... me the screener. <laughs> no, there's no need. There's no need. I, I didn't realize that they were doing the old, like, release it in theaters beforehand. Oh, did so they? I saw everyone. Yeah, I saw everyone talking about it like a couple weeks ago. Mm. So I was all excited. I'm like, it's finally available on Netflix. So me and my wife had planned all day. Like, we're watching Power of the Dog tonight. Hop on the old Netflix there and uh, just ruin the entire night. Mm. Well, that's a damn shame. Looks like Single All the Way is coming out December 2nd on Netflix. So that's ex- oh, I- Here we go. Good oh, old yeah. Christmas movie out there all right let's see what we have on blu-ray uh, got shang chi and the legend of the ten rings we have malignant i i still haven't seen shang chi yet i plan on it but i'm just like I'm so done with generic looking marvel stuff understandable malignant i would recommend seeing i don't i don't know if it's necessary to buy it on blu-ray but it's worth no. a look uh saint maud Got Reds from 1981 to Helen Back from 1955. Got Shattered, Shattered Dead from 1994. God hates you is the tagline. Whoa, whoa! Uh, Death of Nintendo from 2020. I think that's false. I mean, Nintendo seems to be thriving. But got Cyclone from 1987. Nothing underneath and too beautiful to die coming out. Kind of double pack. Uh, let's see. That's pretty much it. Anything coming out on Criterion this week? Nope. Nothing. No Criterions? There you have None. it. None. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Thank you.